ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, Giant Time is here. That's right, we're talking Friday the 13th, Part 7, The New Blood, on Kill by Kill. Well, greetings and salutations, Internet. It's your old pal, Patrick Hamilton, and I'm coming to you from Camp Crystal Lake, or... Actually, it's Long Beach, and it's fucking hot as hell, so if you hear noise from the outside, it's because I cannot close the door. It's too hot at the beach. And this is the Kill by Kill podcast, where we are dedicated to celebrating the least discussed component of any horror film, the characters. And today we will be unpacking all the gory details of Friday the 13th Part 7, in the hopes that a part of your's untimely end is just the beginning of the jokes we can make about them. And as always, the only person that I trust to help me clean up from all the mud that I leave right in front of the refrigerator, it's the one and only Gina Radcliffe. How you doing, Gina? Oh, well, you know, I'm just chilling here in my my Scrooge McDuck money chamber, you know, <laughs> enjoying that sweet cash that's been rolling in ever since. So, yeah, I don't want to brag or anything, but, you know, we, we got ourselves a little mention in a column called Podmass. On a, yes. on a little website called the AV Club. What what do you what do you what have you been doing with your massive windfall, Patrick? Uh, I well, um, I've been spending my imaginary money on all sorts of things. Uh, you know, fame, f- fortunes. Um, just I I got to brag to uh my my wife's family in Wisconsin. When I was there for a family reunion, it doesn't sound so stupid when you're published. <laughs> Take that, Dad! Um, but we're very happy uh, that we were featured in Podmas. It's a dream come true. And for all those people who have joined us as a result of reading about us in Podmas, welcome to the podcast. We're so happy that you are here. But the good news is, Gina... We're not alone. That is right. We have ourselves a guest. This person is a kill-by-kill superstar. She is the co-host of Ladies Love Paul Rudd, the one and only Amy Pascal. How are you doing, Amy? I'm doing very, very well, Patrick. Hello, Gina. I have to say, I mean, when we did the episode the last time, you guys were just a regular podcast but now that you've been featured on the av club like i'm super excited for you i did get all the fans that you sent so that when i'm in your presence i have to fan you constantly Mm -hmm. um but and they're beautiful so i appreciate that and i just like it's i know it's going to be a whole new different experience and i cannot wait we're very highfalutin. We do mm-hmm. not want you to look at us in the eyes. I, I know. I got that note. I do get yeah. that note. I am just sitting here lighting cigars with $100 bills, and I don't even smoke cigars. That's how much I do not give a shit about this giant pile of money sitting next to me right now. <laughs> I would just like to remind everybody that it costs me $10 a month to do this podcast. Ten dollars. All right. Um, and, it's, and I'm not getting that ten dollars back, more than likely. Uh, so, Amy, uh, we heard about uh, your first experience with Friday the 13th in your first episode with us. Mm-hmm. And that was us asking you to watch a Friday the 13th movie. Exactly. Now, I've heard that at the time mm-hmm. you sort of... Uh, insinuated that horror was not necessarily your thing Correct. as the result of actually dipping a toe in has that changed well i'm gonna say that this time around i had a completely different experience because 
because I did not know when the deaths were going to occur, I kind of got excited because I've been listening to you guys and the, the, all these episodes so far, and I fully agreed with you that I do not understand how this group of people got together. That was completely baffling. But I kind of found a giddy glee as each new person was killed because then I knew I was getting closer to whoever I had to see. And it was joyous. I... I <laughs> Do not know what that says about me, but I'd be like, oh, look how they died. Oh, look how they died. Ooh, three more people are going to die. And that was kind of really exciting. So I think I may think about watching a few more movies like that, especially if I can do it with such a, a joyful glee in my heart. Oh, one of us. One of us. Mm-hmm. We all chant around the uh, dining room table. <laughs> Of course, uh, I'm sure a long-time listeners of uh, the Kill by Kill podcast will remember Amy's first uh, appearance here, because it was notable for a couple reasons. One, <laughs> she coined the term hashtag get bunked. Woo! <laughs> Yay! Uh, two, uh, is that uh, she broke my brain. <laughs> she broke it because she was under the impression at the time that the... Uh, refrain of Mother Voorhees that Jason hears the kill, 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 ma, 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 was a choo choo train. <laughs> mm-hmm. was, she thought it was a choo choo train, and choo, he was obsessed with choo choo trains. Choo choo choo. Again, it doesn't choo. really happen that slowly, Amy. That, that's I think that's the big cro- thing that I can't get past. <laughs> it does, though. I swear it did. It did. It did. <laughs> Well, I don't doubt your experience because only you can experience it. But I, I hear that you might have made a new auditory discovery. Yes. So I was, I you know, went into this expecting to hear the kill, 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 and mm-hmm. you know, as you were doing that, and um, I was listening very closely because I, I also want to say I feel a little vindicated because you guys were like, no, 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 there's no train business going on in these movies, and then Patrick, the Kill by Kill Twitter account, I believe, uh, posted a GIF where a train is running into a woman. Like a toy train is running into like some woman, dead woman's head. And I felt a little vindicated that there are trains in there. But in this one, as I was waiting to either hear Choo 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 or Kill Kill Kill, for the most part, it sounds like he's shushing people. It sounded like shh, 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 shh. And I was like, how is this supposed to be scary? Like when he would get really close to people, like I remember particularly in the moment where he was killing what Dr. Cruz and Tina's mom, you distinctly hear him say kill, kill, kill. But honestly, the majority of the time, it sounds like he's shushing people. And I just, I was like, okay, so does his kill, kill, kill change every time? Because like, you know, there's choo-choo trains and there's kill, kill, kill. And now there's shush, shush, shush. <laughs> yeah, I think he's trying to quiet people. I think okay. he's trying to quiet the fucking orchestra that's freaking out every <laughs> half second. In this yeah, there's a lot of... Strange musical stings in, in this in this sequence alone. Yes. There's just oddities throughout. I mean, uh, a- Amy and I were, were texting briefly uh, mm-hmm. earlier. She started watching and she was, you know, talking about the same thing we had discussed about the opening credits. It's just insane. <laughs> like, it's the most ridiculous thing. It's like two minutes of just text with little bong or like, you know, like like impact noises. Yeah, it sounds like a, a robot robot farting, and I should know. I used to professionally run a robot. Um, Did you really? Terrible. 
Yeah. Yes. For uh, hey, we're talking about ten minutes of this movie, folks. We, we got to stretch this. <laughs> right. uh, yeah. Once upon a time, mm-hmm. uh, when I returned from uh, a gig in Japan, I had no job, mm-hmm. and I had no job for a very long time until a former colleague said, "Oh, that this." Uh, group needs help with this robot show that honda's doing and they have that osimo robot and they were going to tour it through museums all throughout the united states and so i went down there and with the idea that all i would do would be like uh take the robot out of box push a button robot does show and i just sit back collecting money (laughs) of course and it turned it turns out that this robot uh is uh, upset if there is a slight crack in the floor or if someone (gasps) expels a whistle too loud. It just falls over (laughs) to the ground. Um, Wow. It climbed stairs, but very delicately. And if it falls over on you, it hurts. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. So I was a robot wrangler once upon a time, and then I met uh, my now wife, then girlfriend. I'm like, how do I get out of this gig? And then the robot fell out of, fell on top of me, and I'm like, oh, that's my excuse. I, I, I'm out. I, I toured wow. Jersey City, and I got that robot on the Today Show, and I was like, fuck this noise, and I left. I think you went out pretty big, Jersey City. Yeah, Jersey City and the Today Show is is pretty good way to go. Mm-hmm. Yes, and bodily That's the way mom. you need to go out. Yeah. Jersey City and the Today Show. Exactly. Um, you- that fucking weatherman wouldn't get out of my way. <laughs> It's like this. The robot is standing next to him and waving. Everyone off stage is like, "Move, move!" You see the tape on the floor? That's where he walks. Move! And he's like, "Is this all this robot does? It does if you stand in its way, motherfucker." He doesn't have free will. There's not a joystick where I'm moving it around after the fact. It's not deadly fucking friend. Ugh. He should. Right. He should have just killed him at that point. I, if I had a basketball, yes. <laughs> that would have happened. Spoiler alert for Deadly Friend, which I do not believe is available anywhere. Um, so, yeah. Uh, we are back into the middle of Friday the 13th, Part 7, which has zero robo- robots in it uh, that I'm aware of. Um, let's do a quick body count. Who's still left alive at this point in the motion picture? We're going to start with Tina, who is a young woman still dealing with the guilt of killing her father by flirting with bad boys and throwing TVs around a room with her mind. Um, <laughs> then we have Nick, and he's a perma-confused beau whose haircut appears to get more and more square as the movie goes on. Uh, we have Tina's mom, Mrs. Shepard, whose pants are just as up and tight as she is. Uh, Dr. Bad News Cruz, a character affected with more ticks than an Alabama basset hound. And then we open our episode on Melissa. Oh, Melissa. Who, when we last left her, had concocted a plan to win over Nick by letting Eddie maul her neck and dry hump her shin. And my question to the both of you is... Yeah. Has anyone dry humped you this badly in life? You don't have to answer. Yes. <laughs> my my response to you is I've never tried to get off on someone's shin like I'm the beagle that my parents have. <laughs> it's fine that you asked that question because I, I pose I will pose yes. a somewhat similar question to you in, in a few moments. I, I, I will say that I can mm-hmm. definitely believe that someone like Eddie 
would be clumsily rubbing himself against the nearest female leg that will that will not immediately draw away from him in horror. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, it is not the way to turn anyone on, and what he's wearing also doesn't help, which he just... He looks like a kid who wandered down a Christmas morning to find that Santa hadn't left him anything. <laughs> yeah, he, he got that. He got that matching undershirt and tidy whities That's always a good look for a twenty-two-year-old man. Oh my God! It's not. It's not a good look for anybody. The costumer has done no one in this movie any favors, but Eddie really gets it bad. I can't say that he deserves better, but. That, that's not a good look. That ain't turning anybody on. Now, you match that with Melissa's white button down, and there's a there's a lot of white on white on white going on. Yeah. That, that, that is true. Oh, my goodness. Uh, her haircut is... I don't know what is going on. Is that supposed to be appealing? Because, yes. And I'm speaking as a person who once found Bess Armstrong super, <laughs> super sexy. That oh. is a very patrician haircut, and it just doesn't read hot to me. May I, may I may, uh, make a comment on that? Of course. Um, did that somehow involve High Road to China? No, it was before High Road to China, oh. at least the, what I saw. Um, I first saw her on television in some miniseries called, like, Silk or something mm. or other. And then she appeared in, in Jaws 3D, which we covered briefly in our 3D movies of the 80s episode. Um, and she had an, a weird affectation in that movie where every time she would kiss her boyfriend in it, she would go, <laughs> hi, honey, every time. <laughs> Oh, that's Dennis yeah. Quaid. Every time she kissed Dennis Quaid, she's like, mm, "Hi, honey." That is weird. Yeah, that's definitely weird. I, you know, *High Road to China* was one of those movies that was on HBO a lot, so therefore I watched it a ton. It's probably terrible. I haven't gone back to watch it, but I thought Beth Armstrong was so awesome and like just so stylish and such a awesome badass and then when she showed up as a mom in my so-called life i was really really excited yeah i just i just remember her being more kind of you concerned girlfriend in in many 80s movies like uh i i believed there was Mm. a movie with tom hanks and that she played a concerned girlfriend and then she she does that sort of you know kind of dismayed very practical woman thing very well you Absolutely. should see High Road to wasn't China. Like, isn't, it, wasn't High Road <laughs> to China just basically to... like like yeah. making it up to Tom Selleck for, for turning down Raiders of the Lost Ark or not getting it or something like that? Well, I, I don't think I think it was I think it was not getting it. I think he was supposed to get it. I think he was wasn't oh, he, like, yeah. he was about to walk out and they wouldn't let him at Magnum PI, wouldn't let him out of his contract. Yes. Just like uh Remington Steel wouldn't let Pierce Brosnan out of his contract to go be Bond. At least in in both those circumstances, it was for the right reasons. Neither yeah. of those people should have been James Bond or Indiana Jones at that point in their life. It was fine. I agree. Uh, we weren't denied anything. As High Road to China, I think, actually proves is that <laughs> Tom Selleck has a Tom Selleck has a level of rakish charm, but there's also you just can feel the conservatism coming off of him a little bit. Yeah. Just, um. He's I'm really glad that we're enough. trying to reach the, the youth with this podcast. 
Yeah, we're, we're, we really have our finger on the millennial pulse with these these up to date, just just cutting fucking edge references. Yeah, that sound you hear is a million fidget spinners just going like, "Why did I listen to the AV Club and listen to this podcast?" Well, Gina, you're there burning all of your like, you know, hundred dollar cigarettes that are wrapped in hundred dollars and stuffed with hundred dollars and burning them with hundred dollars. So you shouldn't care. I got this avocado toast and I'm just gonna savor it. There you go. <laughs> hey, that's a house payment. Anyways, um, so yeah, uh, this thing between Eddie and Melissa really doesn't work out. She finally tells him, "Oh, you're not. This is terrible." get off of me place and luckily for all of us he actually listens to her mm-hmm. um she does this by telling him that he doesn't really turn her on and quote you just didn't come through um i assume she's talking about his underwear yeah i'm not sure what she what she meant like come through what but a little hole in his underwear oh god <laughs> i yeah all right i'm gonna give her a little bit more credit and think that he just you know it's one thing, like, if you are not totally attracted to somebody, but if he's had a little, little bit of game, then, yeah. you know, like, you know, or maybe he just meant go down on her. Like, if he had just, I think that's where it is. Like, if he had just gone straight down on her, then she would have hung around for a little bit longer. Yeah, I don't. You I mean don't, humped her foot rather than her shin? Exactly. Yeah, I, I yeah. don't think that Eddie could, could find the, the, the clitoris on a map of the flashlight. Oh, I don't disagree with you, but I'm just saying, if, if you know, her comment was you just didn't come through, then I think that's the implication of, like, you did not get me off in any way, shape, or form, so I am so not entertaining you whatsoever. Now, here's a, now here's a question that I wanted to pose to you, Patrick. When he leaves mm-hmm. the room, he says he's going to shower, and I've got a date with a soap on a rope. Yes. Now, I, I am not a, an expert on male masturbation. Mm-hmm. I spent a good... 45 seconds or so trying to imagine how one would pleasure oneself with a soap on a rope and and i just it sounded like you know spark plugs just going off in my head but not firing it just was not nothing was coming to mind and i feel like that this was like either the the screenwriters you know attempted saying something witty or eddie's attempt at saying something witty and i'm not i'm not sure because it doesn't work and it's just kind of weird and awkward and and you know, Eddie's last few minutes on this planet are, you know, just him being a, a being you know, gross and entitled. Yeah, I uh, thought about it long and hard, and the only thing I could really come up with is that he was going to bind his penis like uh, <laughs> and that he was into some sort of pressure and release thing. I, I don't know. They're hipsters. And he didn't shower anyway, because um, when we next see him, he's just sitting in the living room sulking, still in his underpants. If that was an insult to her, it doesn't fly. If it was a witticism from him, it doesn't fly. As a writer, I don't I don't know that I believe in his instrument right now. In fact, when he walks away before he makes his soap on a rope comment, <laughs> he says, uh, you know, I can handle uh, rejection because I've been rejected by some of the finest sci-fi magazines in the continent yes! of the United States. <laughs> Which means that Alaska and Hawaii are still on the board, everybody. I'm not going to lie. I really kind of like that line. <laughs> I thought it was like this stupid, perfect thing that, you know, you're they're really trying to hit home the stupid dorkiness of him. And 
I kind of appreciated it. Like, because I think it just even solidified what a hopeless, a hopeless soul he was and was so utterly oblivious and was obviously never, ever going to have sex in his life. No, and that does not happen. And no. Unless he had sex before he arrived at this cabin, which, based on his behavior that we saw on camera, was not a possibility. No. I, no. Uh, so let's uh, then cut to outside, where Jason Voorhees spends the majority of this sequence that we're talking about just wandering from place to place. It mm-hmm. is the most aimless performance. <laughs> I, we have had really good Jasons and some not-so-great Jasons, but... For the way people talk about this Jason, you would think that this was a blockbuster performance. And I find it, at least in this part of part seven, I think it improves during the third act, but this part, he just kind of wanders here and there, and then he, he yanks out uh, the electricity to the party cabin. Uh, we get to hear the Jason train pulling into the station right before he does it. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is only the second time I can remember pulling him of him pulling the maneuver of I gotta cut the power. He does it in part three, but it's not really a regular Jason go to maneuver. I mean, I, I feel like he has done it more often, but but maybe maybe you're right, he hasn't. Um, there's like I said, he seems kind of unsure of himself in a lot of these a lot of these scenes. <laughs> it's like it's still all coming back is to he- him. He's waterlogged, perhaps. Like he needs to just knock out the loose liquid up in his uh, what used to be his brain case. I, I feel like I he spends a lot more time just hiding, which which is something he didn't do much of before. I mean, he would just before just like walk right up to people and you know splat or slash or whatever. But no, he's he's yeah. lurking in corners and kind of sneaking up behind people, and that's not really that's not the Jason we know and love. Yeah, part two, Jason, he does a lot of uh, uh, stalk and slash, uh, which was the, you know, flavor at the time. We we get a lot of shots of his killer POV, and of course the one POV that we always remember and it should be enshrined on his tombstone, and that is the penis POV of him looking at the dog <laughs> muffin. I, I, mean, I will say uh, that the, that the, uh, the new and... Uh, unimproved but you know kind of sneaky but yet but yet kind of tentative jason that works to one good mm-hmm. effect and it is the scene where is it david david is it that's is that the the the, the pothead okay david yes. is going downstairs mm-hmm. to get some food and lightning flashes and for like a split second you can see jason standing in the corner that i i think that is right. probably the only genuinely scary moment in the in the whole movie like i'm pretty sure i don't remember i didn't remember seeing that before and i'm like oh he's just standing right there that's kind of cool so this jason right he's been underwater and been like you know just basically went locked down until tina's superpowers like makes him alive again or whatever mm-hmm. the heck it is mm-hmm. so i think this is this is jason in rehab <laughs> I think he's, like, kind of going through PT. And, you know, like, if you've been in a coma for a really long time, you can't, You have to learn how to walk again, guys. Sure. You can't, You have to learn how to, like, feed yourself again. You have to learn how to dress yourself again. And I think that 
you know, you got you are a little fuzzy headed. I mean, it hasn't been that long since he's just suddenly been brought back to whatever Jason life it is, and I think that that's like he's still feeling his body out because he doesn't really know how it works. And I think it even goes to like why he keeps cutting the power because he needs a handicap. Like this is he's handicapping his game, like a handy a golfer <laughs> handicaps their game. Like he's like, you know what? I need a little bit. Like I am usually a ninja. Okay, I am usually a motherfucking ninja that can like fly all out, like and be in all the different rooms at all the times but he really can't do that he's not much of a ninja like at least in this sequence i think like gina your whole fuck style thing is like i think he's slowly kind of getting back into that but i think this is a this is a jason that has been he's been through some stuff some physical stuff and he's not fully at 100 percent, and he's just kind of like doing his darndest to get back to that it's true that he does read david's fuck style in that in the afterglow of having sex, David wants baloney, <laughs> <laughs> which leads me to believe that David eats a lot of baloney, which makes me wonder how David Haver has sex at all. This sequence here with Robin and David leaves a lot of spark to be desired. At one point, they're just making out with one another because I can't believe any sort of part is inserted into the other, um, and he kind of awkwardly holds her back like how my three-year-old played with play-doh for the first time it's just like a lot of open palmed touching yeah i I get the impression that these actors might have met the day they had to do this scene together uh david is quite a charismatic character at one point he does a pratfall uh you know one of those signature peter sellers like pink panther pratfalls where he falls off the bed and blames the fact that it's dark. Now, he was sitting on the bed. Darkness <laughs> generally doesn't displace your ass for the most part. I think the only reason that this really occurs is that he falls and then Robin is so delighted by David's wackiness yes. that she sits straight up so we can get that court-mandated nudity that we were lacking in part six. We just had to get it back, and she's going to deliver it, damn it. Well, I'm going to say I appreciate the fact that she was delivering it because all of David's nudity was, he was so skinny. Like, you can see his bones at some point, and it was really unsettling to me. And I just was, like, desperate for anybody who looked like a normal person. And so then when we get Robin's, like, super cute perky breasts, I was, like, all in. Like, like just keep the camera on her because... Yeah, David was just so not interesting and very, very distracting in that sort of a way. Yeah, and uh, also, um, like, the who was the guy who got his head crushed in the last episode? I've already forgotten a lot of these ben. characters' names. Ben. Okay, he he goes to, he apparently went to the Ben School of Seduction in which he <laughs> left his underwear on while they were having sex. <laughs> because I, I was bracing myself. I was bracing myself for, for unremarkable butt shot. And I'm like, oh, he at some point put his underwear back on. Yes, and and it just it's just, it, that's always cracks me up because of the outrageous, unrealistic you know means that a movie will go to to avoid showing male nudity. Yeah, where are them like, buns? I Why mean, don't we get to see what that booty do? It's like oh yeah. this is the '80s. This is the height of men's buns, and we almost never see any buns in a Friday the Thirteenth movie. No, it's it's very it's very limited to to naked chicks. But I mean, really, that's not 
changed much now i mean again you have like the man getting out of bed in his own apartment where the only other person is in there is the woman he just made love with and he's wrapping a sheet around himself (laughs) i mean i i you know you have a child patrick so Mm -hmm. i mean apparently you're not just running through the house delightfully naked for all to see but generally speaking if you're alone in the house with only the other person you've had sex with you're just gonna be i mean Anyway, it would seem to me that you would be just, you know, you out there in all your glory. But in every movie, it's nope, got to do the complicated toga wrap to go to the bathroom. (laughs) Well, it's very cold and my nether regions get tingly when they're not encased in a a red bikini brief. (laughs) I'm waiting Uh, for the pictures. I'm waiting for the pictures. (laughs) So, yeah, David goes to find food. He finds mud all over the kitchen floor. Is it mud? I thought blood but who would it be whose blood would it be well yeah that's yeah because i actually was wondering that i was like okay he's not concerned that there is some sort of fluid all over the floor because the last two people killed were ben and kate and ben got his head crushed and i'm i'll grant you that there's probably some corpse juice happening there but uh kate's death was relatively bloodless uh at least that we could see he's he does squish every time he walks I mean, that's true. He's like mm. SpongeBob SquarePants all up in this whole place. It's just constantly. <laughs> can I can I say what my favorite part about uh, about David's death is? Sure. So so Jason comes up behind him. David turns around and says, "Maddie." Now he is confusing a six foot four ish rotting corpse. For a short, slightly chubby, nineteen-year-old girl, I, yeah. I just feel like that's like an extra middle finger the movie gives to poor Maddie. <laughs> is that this, this, you know, this hideous creature standing behind him is the girl who has been, you know, looking at him with big cow eyes up, you know, for most of the movie. Well, what you don't understand is that in that light with just lightning flashes, the holes in his hockey mask do sort of give that Sally Jesse Raphael like glasses look. And this brings me back because the same thing happens later with Eddie in which he hears someone behind him and says, oh, did you change your mind? Assuming that it is Melissa... Why is nobody smelling this this thing coming? <laughs> there's, only, there's only two solutions to this, Gina. One is that everyone can't smell. Or two, <laughs> Melissa smells mm. like Jason. <laughs> or, or, or it's entirely... Or, or a third option is that the house just reeks of weed. <laughs> there you go. True. I I cannot smell weed uh, once I've smoked it. I can smell weed when someone else is smoking it or in the air, or before it gets to me, and then once I imbibe, goodbye. I don't smell it anymore. So maybe that's part of it. Everyone's nose is just shot out from my unable-to-smell-pot disease. Mm, but, but, would you, but, but would you confuse, would you ever conceive of confusing Becky for a six-foot-four rotting corpse? No. No, no, not not even if the person if Jason was pantsless, because more often than not, (laughs) Becky does not wear pants in the house. uh, And we have many windows in our house. It's a house with tons of windows. Uh, It doesn't matter. Uh, She doesn't like pants. And you know what? I don't like pants on her. So (laughs) it all works out for all of us. 
Um, yeah, <laughs> I like that part. Um, and so Jason just knifes him in the gut. I, this is sad. This whole section is sad. Yeah, it's, it's, it's when people don't like part seven. I was kind of like, oh, it's it's fun, it's goofy. But I think this part is what they're talking about, where it just kind of sits there and does yeah. the least amount of work. It is it is incredibly low quality. <laughs> <laughs> it, it, it's like it's so uneventful it's almost as if like they had they knew what they were going to do for the other death and knew that they were going to have uh, I don't know if it's, I can't really say it's special effects but it's something and you know like later on with their fights and, and whatnot so like maybe they just forgot that they had all these extra people like as they were filming and like oh damn it shit yeah we need to like kill three more people like what's the <laughs> cheapest possible way that we can do it and this was it like it's so it's so uneventful like it's just kind of boring it's really boring and it, all three of these deaths are subpar to much better deaths not only in this movie but every other movie preceding it is mm -hmm. it is like we haven't had a just a a dull ass stomach knifing i think since part two and that has a lot more atmosphere going on to it this is just Oh, it's it, like you said, it, it feels like they forgot. And I'm like, oh, we got a cram. What can we do? Just knife him in the gut. Works for me. Roll the cameras. But <laughs> David's not here. Get him out of the trailer. Let's knife him in the gut. Come on. Yeah, yeah I found myself more than I usually do already paying attention to stuff in the background. And and I noticed, particularly with the scene with Eddie, there's, you know, the movie provides yet more evidence of what thoughtless assholes these characters are. Because they have apparently gone to bed, or, or bone town, depending on the character, without putting mm -hmm. any of the food away. Including including, yeah. including a, a, a whole intact birthday cake, which is just sitting out on the coffee table. <laughs> well, I guess because uh, it's so cold, it's like an icebox in there anyway. So I guess they figure it's fine. I'm not sure. This is Friday the 13th disease. People have forgotten to do things that they would normally do. Uh, in part five, it's leave an entire restaurant's worth of food out. Here, it's just everything you brought to the party. Half full cans of slice and a birthday cake. It's gross. People are gross here. I think maybe they're just assuming that all kids are going to, like, run off and fuck. So why would they think about food? Yeah. Well, well David um, thought about food and look what happened. Look what mm, happened. There you go. See, all Gino, right. so then here's you go. You prove your point. You've just proven your point. <laughs> like, if he had just not thought about food and left it home or left it alone, he would be fine and he'd be alive right now. Right now. Right now, he would still be having awkward patty cake sex exactly. with Robin, as we speak. Yeah, that sequence with Eddie in particular, there's a little editing trick where they try to reestablish the fact that Jason's in the house. And I think they just took a random shot of Jason walking across the windows, and he looks less like a a, a mutant stalking its prey, and more like <laughs> a guy who's gotten really chafed in his bikini area, <laughs> and he has to walk in wide shuffles. Yeah, I'm also, this is another one of those uh, things that Friday 13th is famous for, with the physics of the house that changes size at will. 
where you know mm-hmm. it, it is small enough that you know people are sharing rooms with each other and yet large enough that someone sitting in the living room cannot hear someone in the kitchen being brutally murdered yes. yeah i think we i think i think the, yeah, the most I, egregious example of that was probably part four in which he was jason was just literally walking up and down the stairs just randomly killing people and nobody else in the house heard him well and mm-hmm. parts of that it's almost like he leapt up uh, uh flights of stairs from the outside there's, there's that one point, and we get to see a version of the defenestration death here, which is so poor in comparison to the part four version that it's practical heresy to bring it up. But yeah, the, the house is big enough that everyone gets a giant bedroom. And yet, like, because Ro- David was having sex in Robin's room, and then Robin goes to David's room later on, and David's room is like a master fucking bedroom. That is ridiculous. Yeah. And, and it, it looks like a tornado went all, went through it, and they've been there what a day. There's so much paraphernalia, folks. You don't need this much. Can, can we talk? Can we can we talk about <laughs> can we talk a bit about the joint laying out on the table? It, it, it looks, it, yes. it's about as long as a ballpoint pen. It, it honestly, <laughs> like, it looks like something Cheech and Chong would smoke. I mean, it, it is, it is absurd. Cheech and Chong would be like, mm, slow your roll. It's giant. <laughs> it's, it's comical. It looks like a comedy cigar that would blow up in somebody's face that you would order out of the back of a comic book. It's fucking ridiculous. Kill, 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 kill. Break, break, break. Good afternoon, Max Funsters. Hope you had a fabulous day here at Max Fun High, home of the Fighting Beats by Dre. Just a few announcements before we dismiss for the day. First off, thank you to everyone who came to Mr. Kalen's going away party at the Flop House. We were sad to see him transfer to Max Fun Prep in Los Angeles, but we wish him all the best. Next, the Rose Buddies, who I can only assume are a gardening club, are watching classic reality television at Hinterlands, the Senior Lounge, every Monday at 8 p.m., I don't know what this has to do with gardening, but they seem like a good bunch, so join them. And finally, remember that the Super Senior Prom is coming up on Saturday, September 23rd at the Footlight in Queens, New York, and it's not too late to buy your tickets. Only $20 each. The proceeds go to charity. The theme is, time ain't nothing but a number. All right. And you are encouraged to wear fancy attire from any time period. For more information, go to bit.ly slash mfprom, that's bit.ly slash mfprom, and join us for dancing, drinking, and raffle prizes. Go Beats! This announcement was brought to you by the MaxFun Prom Committee, an arm of the unofficial NYC MaxFun fan group. This prom is a real thing. Please come. Kill, 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 kill. Break, 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 break. Greetings and salutations, killers. We're taking a quick break in the action to let you know that if you rate and review us on iTunes, we will talk about it here on the air because you deserve it. You went out of your way. Well, our friend Kira Napoleon uh, left us a lovely review on iTunes saying that there are so many Friday the 13th movies and so many people die in each one that it's really they start to blend together. This podcast lovingly mocks every slash and hack character and really gets into into how baffling most of these movies are. It's hilarious and very bingeable. Thank you ever so much, Kira. Uh, if you rate and review us on iTunes, we will talk about it here on the air. Hey, tell us what our what your favorite uh, Friday the 13th uh, kill is, and uh, we'll talk about that too. Anyways, let's get back to the action. The body count continues right now. Kill, 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 kill. Break, break, break. 
All right, so let's let's rewind here a little bit because there's there are some major plot points that were missing. They're all Tina and Nick related. They're still wandering in the middle of the woods. They happen to uh, find Michael's body. Uh, he's still awkwardly cradled in the arms of a tree. He's still blinking, <laughs> blinking like a crazy person, uh, which is strange for a dead body, but lots of blinking out of him. No one behind the camera said, let's take another one on that close-up. Nope, still blinking. Um, and Tina reacts with both the thrill that she's proven right. And then the sudden realization, oh, no, this is a human being and Nick is connected to him. Uh, and so she goes, hey, I know that you're mourning your deadbeat DWI loving cousin, but we got to beat feet. Let's get out of here. They make it all the way back to Casa Shepherd, and they go into Daddy Shepherd's train-loving uh, office. Oh, interesting. Oh, he, mm -hmm. did you not see that choo-choo hat that he's I... wearing in the framed photograph? <laughs> I think I missed it. I think I might have zoned out through parts of this. <laughs> okay. Well, there's three major things that they find in here. One is that the spike that Dr. Bad News Cruz hid was actually just sitting out on this fucking desk. Actually, Mrs. Shepard brought it out of a drawer, but whatever. Uh, it's So, again, Tina is right. Two, is that there is a possibly loaded semi-automatic pistol just sitting in a drawer. <laughs> and Tina hands it to Nick like it's a used diaper. <laughs> Which I get. I'm not big around firearms either. Uh, but he turns it kind of upside down like he's checking to see what sex a puppy is. <laughs> and that's like, okay, I'm satisfied with this. Uh, and the third is what is basically Roy's evidence wallet from part five, only in diary form. Whose book is this filled with Jason Voorhees articles? This is this is where maybe the third or fourth time I have questioned Dr. Cruz's motives in this. Yes. Because he now we're supposed to assume that he has brought Tina and her mother to this place where he knows, you know, fairly recently there has been a, a you know, a, a supernatural, insanely powerful serial killer for dot, 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 question mark. Yeah, how does this turn into money? How do you monetize this? Did, I mean, did, did, did he know that she would somehow be able to bring Jason back? Because he he has changed motives at least three times in this in this movie, and we still have a half hour to go. Unless he's got a secret Busta Rhymes like web show happening, where it's a pay per view between Tina, the telekinetic powerhouse, and Jason fucking Voorhees. Where do you, where do you take this from here and go? Voila! I'm famous town. I'm Doctor Oz now. Buy my vitamin supplements. How does this work in his favor? Is it his diary or is it Daddy Shepherd's diary? I I, I don't know. There's so many questions. It's I'm pretty sure it's supposed to be Doctor Cruz, but again, it, it's not clear nor is it ever made clear what this is supposed to mean what the audience i mean obviously he's he's telegraphed immediately that that this is a bad guy 
who who, yeah. who will who mm-hmm. will get his his comeuppance to the audience's satisfaction, which she does more or less. But uh, he is a a bad guy who's again whose whose motives are so unclear that it is hard to pass judgment on him. He's he's more squirrely than evil. <laughs> he's incompetent in his bad guyery. It's really, really odd. There's actually a fourth thing that happens in this room that's super, super important. And I want you guys to buckle up. Nick discovers Tina's powers, and he does it uh, when she looks at these news articles and begins to make the room quake in what can only be described as a telekinet... A telekinet... A Orgasm. A telekinetic orgasm. A Uh, telekinetic organism. Oh, I like telekinetic organism. Yeah. Like that. I I like that. Yeah, telekinorganism, but I like telekinetic organism. There's something about adding that extra K in there. Yeah. Like the extra K for power. Yeah. 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 Completely unnecessary, but it works. It works. It's not in either word, and yet I added it in. It's a little Cronenbergian to me. It sounds like uh, a kind of you know, X-rated version of Scanners. Mm, telekinetic organism. <laughs> I, I love this word so much that I'm just going to start randomly saying it at people. Listen, and... if your telekinetic organism lasts longer than four hours, see the doctor. <laughs> well, I have to say, I remember this scene very distinctly. I like, because again, I was feeding in and out, but I was watching this going, oh, Okay, now I know that I have not been watching this entire movie very, very closely, but is her telekinetic experience, I don't remember her looking like she was having an orgasm every single time. But this is a really big one. This is a huge one. I mean, this is... wow. I mean, I'm surprised that the camera doesn't cut to an older lady in the corner and pointing to her and says, I'll have what she's having. <laughs> yeah, I, I definitely uh, t- had, I, I definitely tabbed over to something else. And then I was like, what in the hell is happening in this scene? Oh, <laughs> the room is literally shaking. Uh, okay, I, I, I see. <laughs> and she's shaking and her body's shaking. And it is to- it's a telekinetic organism. Like, yeah. there is no other explanation for this scene. It is not just her moving things with her brain or having whatever kind of crazy experience like it that was pure pure sexual sort of thing like so sexual that i you know along with the whole fuck cell thing like how did jason just not come to her immediately at that point because wow yeah i think this is the the audience is supposed to take away from this now she's a woman yes (laughs) yes we've witnessed it and nick was there he helped unlock this that in, in old news articles um, I think, you know, maybe maybe it's kind of a thing where, you know, we've seen Eddie, who obviously has no idea to, what to do with a woman. Mm-hmm. And then we've got Tina, who just gets the job done on her own. Like, if we had Tina and what's the other, what's the blonde Melissa, one's name? Melissa. Not Melissa. Like, if we had those two together, oh my god. Like, Melissa would definitely not have kicked Tina out of the room, even though Melissa's been a total bitch this whole time. But if, like, she could, could telekinetic an orgasm, like, both herself and other people in the room, like, this would be a whole different movie and i would watch it multiple multiple times oh yeah if we had a whole chevy chase modern problems telekinorganism sequence have you guys ever seen modern yes. problems it's not no. good but it does have its own telekinorganism yeah, I, I feel like the plot of modern problems could be described as cocaine am i right 
<laughs> Once again, finger on the pulse of uh, 2017. Oh my god, so many millennials are not going to Chili's <laughs> and listening to this right now. Hey, we threw sex in there, Gina. We threw that, sex in there. That's true. That'll keep them listening. That's right. Let's don't cash any checks. Maybe we'll tell yet. more. Maybe in our next episode, we'll tell more stories of awkwardly losing virginity because that's always the thing to So, um, yeah, Melissa sneaks out of the party cabin and uh, we practically hear the Pink Panther theme as she leaves. Um, Eddie opens up Michael's gifts. What the fuck? Oh, All these yeah. people are terrible. They're yes. terrible themselves and they're terrible to each other and i would just never think if someone didn't show up to a birthday party i'm like you know what i'm gonna open up his gifts because i didn't get laid tonight fuck you um terrible. It, it, look, it looks like every, it looks like everybody bought his gifts from spencer's gifts i hope oh, so yeah <laughs> i hope i hope every single one of those is a gag gift uh i hope they're all as hilarious as the one which is a personal penis larger which turns out to be a small magnifying glass. That is the height of humor. Thank you, Friday the Thirteenth. You know, some you know somewhere in you know somewhere in one of those packages is a pair of novelty underwear. It says "Home of the Whopper" on them. <laughs> Fingers crossed, but we never find out because Jason. Again, just saunters into this room like he's actually looking for the craft service table. Uh, <laughs> Eddie mistakes the scent of rotting, waterlogged flesh for the girl he awkwardly dry-humped earlier. To his surprise, it turns out to be Jason Voorhees, and I guess he gets, like, neck-chopped, kind of? he slashes his throat. Um, well, I have to say, this this death and possibly the next death, like, at least with David, and again, because I was, like, watching every death with Giddy Glee, so I had the description that it was David, David the stoner who gets knifed, so I was waiting for that. Mm-hmm. I, I kind of had to rewind because I completely missed this. Like, I... Because I heard him talk about the penis large or whatever, and I think I just kind of rolled my eyes and tuned out. And then they were off to doing something else, so I kept waiting for Eddie to be killed. And everyone just kept going around asking for for David. No. So, um, or was it Michael? I don't even know who they were calling for. So I thought it was going to be him, but yeah, that's how uneventful it was. It was just, eh. And yeah, it was put under a table or something. Yeah, the tension and release going on here is sort of misfiring in this portion of the movie. Let's give everyone a real quick example of how poorly this section of the movie is directed. Um, After Eddie is dispatched, Jason sort of ambles, let's say, upstairs. We then go to Robin's room. Uh, where she uh, exposes herself again, puts on a shirt, uh, and then we get, and I counted, a 15-second shot of a doorknob. (laughs) (laughs) And And the music is kind of like, what's gonna happen with this doorknob? And my guess is, Someone's going to use it to open a fucking door. Why am yeah. I looking at a doorknob for one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, fourteen, fifteen fucking seconds? I, I was. I think that they were. They might have been trying to set the audience up to think that a scene similar to in Halloween, after after Bob is killed, but then Michael Myers mm-hmm. shows up with the, which is 
kind of ridiculous in retrospect scene. We've got the, the Charlie Brown Halloween sheet over his head. <laughs> With the glasses, <laughs> glasses on top on of the top sheet. Of it. <laughs> this, this, is, this is a killer who drove away earlier, who had never touched a car before, but he doesn't know how glasses and a ghost <laughs> costume work. Because the setup is very similar. They're both stoned out of their minds. You know, yeah. you know, she, you know, he goes to get you and I think in Halloween, he went to go get more beer. And this one, he went to go get food. He gets killed. She's in bed, you know, boobs, you know, out for everyone to see. But no, it's, mm-hmm. you know, gotcha audience. It's Robin coming out from the other side of the door. And she's going to just wander around. Why is everyone else's door locked from the inside? How... Would you How trust did... these, any of these people? No, no, mm. no. I would protect myself. But then again, none of these people are in the house. They've been killed outside. So so Jason went up there, locked the doors from the inside in order, in his sort of I-know-your-fuck-style way, to lead her specifically to one room where there's a lot of loose joints. And a, and, and a cat... <laughs> That was not that that yeah. was not there before. It's just been sitting in that closet this entire I, I, time. I have <laughs> I have a note in all caps. Where did that cat come from? With with three question marks afterwards. How well, long? she she makes the comment like, "Who are you?" Like David doesn't have a cat, and I was <laughs> I was really thrown by that. I was like, "Wait, why are you even putting this in here?" You know. Y- it's like that alone made it even more ridiculous. I was like, well, then where did the cat come from? Like, is the cat like luring people in for Jason? Like, is he a sidekick? Or is he is he a therapy animal? Going back to my rehab thing. Like, did Jason, when he came out of the lake, he found this cat, this stray cat. The two of them bonded. They're going to go on ventures together. And so the cat is like, you know, finding finding ladies or, or people to uh, get them to calm down, relax, that Jason come just up or, and kill or, or here's, a, here's another you know, topical reference. Perhaps he's like the cat in Cat's Eye, a, a, a harbinger of terrible things to come. That is true. That is a possibility. I do like the, and I had forgotten this in, in, until just now, that she says, oh, David doesn't have a cat. As if... Part of their conversation after the first time they had sex was, do you have a cat? Did you bring him with you? Oh, you didn't? Well, I found a cat upstairs. This this isn't David's home, right? No, of course not. Okay, that's what I thought. This is Russell's uncle's cabin. Exactly. Exactly. So why would it even matter if David had a cat or not? Why would David have brought his cat to a cabin? Maybe if it was a dog, okay. But people don't really bring their cats up to like a cabin. No, not for a birthday party? You don't pack up your cat with with your rolling papers and and all for a trip to the Jersey woods. Yeah, it's fucking ridiculous. In fact, that might be the most ridiculous goddamn thing in this entire movie. But wait, (laughs) there's more. Because Robin then tries to lure this cat back for, what, two minutes? It's interminable. In, in the meantime, the soundtrack is practically doing loop-de-loops or going off in a rocket car across the Grand Canyon. It's just oh, so over the top. And you're like, all right, I get, I get it. I'm supposed to be spookumified, but it's not happening. And finally, she reaches down and touches a wet spot. 
and it's not where they had just had sex. It turns out to be blood. And then we reveal the worst yes. representation of a decapitated head I've seen outside of the 99 cent store to date. This thing looks like it was made out of Sculpey. Yes. I mean, and, and, and it's not just that it was so poorly done, but they also made the wise decision to not let the camera linger on it too long. <laughs> I, I assume that was David? It, I paused it. Luckily, I have the power of Blu-ray. And oh. Yes. So I get to see it in all its glory. First of all, it's sweating. It's literally sweating. <laughs> So whatever they made it out of, the lights have made it seep moisture out of it. They sculpted it out of the the leftover bologna from the... uh, (laughs) It's entirely possible. It's made out of the Play-Doh that he was playing with previously on Robin's back. The eyes have gone a pale blue. I mean, like, Paul Newman eyes. (laughs) I think I would have noticed if David had Paul Newman eyes. Uh, and his mouth is agape. It's just very, very poor. The The hair doesn't look like anyone's hair. It certainly does not look like David's. Yeah, David had a very distinctive haircut. He had a, yeah. He had a very but it also look- doesn't look like Eddie. And he's the only person whose head it could be. And that would make sense because he, he sort of looked like maybe his head got chopped. But it, it's also not Eddie either. He doesn't have Paul Newman eyes. See, I, I paid attention to this movie, folks. <laughs> I just really like that you rate everybody on if they have Paul Newman eyes or not. It's, so, listen, so of... far we've got one person, Paul Newman. <laughs> and that, that one lady who comes close is the lady in, in They Live. Meg Foster. Meg Foster. She's the closest I can think of. I, I, I'm well, going to go back to Amy's suggestion that uh, Jason is going through some sort of uh, recovery. Perhaps mm-hmm. it is some sort of occupational therapy craft that he made. He he's <laughs> oh he, he, yes he sculpted a head out of. Remember when you were when we were kids and we would do the um, paper mache where you would tear up a piece of newspaper and like dip it in the in, mm-hmm. in the, in the goop. And then you mm-hmm. would you would wrap it around a balloon, and then you would pop the balloon after everything was dry, and you'd have like this little. Mm-hmm. Pop. I, I'm thinking that this was a craft project to help him soothe his anxiety as he as he adjusts to being part of the world again. Well, this would not be the first time that he's been known to craft, as we discovered earlier, and I think part four uh, that Jason is very big into creating uh, shrunken apple heads that he <laughs> sells at the Crystal Lake Swamp Meet. Uh, so you know he. This is how he expresses himself. Let me give you a couple examples of how bad this decapitated head is. It's it looks worse than that statue of Lucille Ball. <laughs> oh God! Again with the contemporary like references, but that is a spot on reference. People, if you have not seen that, please go out, read all the articles, and how even the sculptor had to redo it. Yeah. Uh, it also sort of resembles that one fresco that the old lady <laughs> had repainted <laughs> in Italy. Um, yeah, it's it, this well, makes that look like fucking Michelangelo had uh, slipped over there on an off weekend. Well, did you ever did you ever hear that there's this museum? I don't know if it still exists, but it was a museum of um, wax figures that had not quite quite come out correctly. Oh. So this one museum, I believe, had bought them all and then, you know, staged them. But if you looked at the pictures, like, 
it was hilariously, hilariously <laughs> off. And it's supposed to be celebrities and, you know, historical figures. So when you're looking at pictures, I will I will have to find them and send it to you. That's kind of what it made me think of. Like, like a combination of what you were saying here. We've got Lucille Ball. We've got the fresco. But made in a wax museum that somebody, like, fell asleep in. And <laughs> then, like... A cat, like, pulled it out of the mold and, like, stretched it around a while because it is, it is disturbingly terrible. It's like they made a relief of Eddie or uh, David's face in Silly Putty and said, don't move, and just peeled it off <laughs> and then put it over a styrofoam head. It just, it's, it is of poor quality, but we don't get to see it very long. And wouldn't you know it, Jason Voorhees has snuck in. Uh, and he's going to defenestrate Robin in very awkward <laughs> style. He grabs her by the throat, and then we cut to the outside, in which we see the male stunt double of Robin throw himself out of a window. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> to uh, to quote the frame, the famous British spy... Uh, am I horny, baby? No, wait a second. Oh, it's a man, baby. Yeah. I, I'm going to make a bold statement here. I think she could have survived that fall. No, she kind of hits the ground at the same level that my kid did when he was learning how to, to, to do a two-wheeler. Like, she just kind of doesn't get up. It's almost like she's feigning being dead. Hmm. And, and and also, I don't. I assume this is the same male stuntman, but you can see that they are covering their face right before before oh, they yes. hit the ground. Well, that that's what I was trying to figure out. So I was looking at this. Now, granted, I should have paused and looked closer. But my thoughts were: Was this like um, a Dread Pirate, like Robert's mask from the Princess Bride? <laughs> So that was my first witch because it looks like it's like kind of this like black fabric that's pulled back with like a really bad wig. Or did they make a dead pirate like Robert's mask from the hair? Like they took the actual wig and pulled it over his eyes because those are the only two things. The It starts like at his eyes. Like the hair does not start up and then it's flailing. I was very distracted. Like almost to the point where... I would have believed if they had been in costume. Like, you know, if they were, like, at some sort of costume party and that's what she jumped out. Like, she just happened to be in that or put that on to seem sexy and, and that in her pink t-shirt. I mean, this whole sequence is so fake that the stunt team from the bionic woman is kind of like, oh, I'm seeing all the seams. <laughs> I don't like this at all. It's just, it is of poor quality. And then when you go back to part four and you see... How well that thrown out of a second story window stunt is. I mean, that is really good. And then it's a stunt woman and she hit that car twice. Yeah. To yeah. make that happen. It is so much better directed than this. And I just, I'd like to apologize to our audience because this is no. not good. This is not a good mm. stunt. And no. these people, there's a bad stunt, and people should feel bad about it. Uh, and that brings us pretty much to the end of this segment, R.I.P.D. Robin. And you know what that means? Uh, it's America's maybe 34th favorite game show 
at least at this <laughs> point. I mean, it's not a ripoff of Plinko or anything. It is choose your own death venture. So what boring death will we all choose? <laughs> is it lackadaisically getting stabbed in the stomach? Is it uh, kind of getting chopped in the neck? Maybe getting decapitated? Maybe not. Maybe that was David. Or is it having your body replaced by a dude and jumping out of a window and kind of hitting the ground while covering your face? And uh, as our guest and our superstar here, I turn to you, Amy, for your answer first. Well, I'm going to say, well, as I was watching this, I was trying to figure out what death did I want to go with. I knew straight up I'm not going with Eddie because it was just sad and pathetic all the way around. Yes. So initially... I was going to pick David because he's just had sex with a hot girl. Mm-hmm. He's hungry, but he's now gone down and he's found food. So really, like, he's kind of faded everything that he needed to have faded at that point, And then he gets killed. But, Patrick, you just said something that kind of just changed everything for me, which is, do I want to be thrown out of a window, have my body turned into a man's body right before I fall? And so... I kind of want that because my question is, I think both it's going to be an interesting experience, even if it's really briefly like knowing what it's like to feel like a man, Mm -hmm. or does my consciousness go somewhere else and his body and his self is like the one that dies and I just kind of go out into the ether and wreak havoc. And that is my interpretation. Mm Mm-hmm. Is and that you go do. off into the ether or that you turn into a man and briefly Well, no, no, that, that my body, my body will turn into a man's body, but right. my, like, soul and whatever personality, whatever the heck it is, like, I I think I'm going to go off into the ether and wreak havoc. Okay. <laughs> wreak havoc. Well, yep. you've given yourself quite uh, a proactive uh, afterlife. <laughs> Congratulations. You know what? That's called having goals, millennials. Exactly. Exactly. That's right. Uh, we, we don't really rag on millennials very much here we we like you millennials just just the way you are um so that brings us to you gina what say you uh, i will also say robin but for a uh, a, a a a less fascinating and elaborate reason um <laughs> mostly because i don't ima- i don't think she that she anyone could possibly be killed in that manner she looks like she fell about as far as maybe falling out of a treehouse and and uh, maybe because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. she covered her face before she landed on the ground, she probably broke an arm or two. But you know what? I've had a broken arm before. I can live with that again. Um, so yeah, I, I'm because she seemed the least fatal of the uh, of the three completely unremarkable deaths in this sequence. I'm going to have to go with Robin as well. Yeah, I this makes it three for three. I'm going for Robin, mm-hmm. but of course my answer has a lot of different uh, elements to it. One, I would be able to experience most of this movie as a woman and then mm. only return to my male form at the very end <laughs> when I get to jump out of a window because I am definitely not tossed by my neck. People don't need to use their legs that much when they're tossed by their neck. That's not how being thrown out of a window works. You don't have a lot of lower body force involved. Uh, the other part is that, of course, you know, I'd be spending the entire movie as, as a hot chick with killer bangs, and I get mm-hmm. to smoke a lot of dubs. Yeah, but you missed out on the one that, that, that looks like about the size and width of a magic marker. That's true. That's absolutely true. But, you know, 
listen, we all leave somewhat unsatisfied to to some degree, with the exception of Amy, who comes back as a vengeful <laughs> ghost, uh, some sort of grudge entity. Um, oh, I am. I let me tell you, I am an Olympic gold medalist. If there was like a grudge competition, so I, 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 I proudly take that on. <laughs> right. Uh, take that as a warning, kill by kill listeners. Do not <laughs> cross. Amy. All right. Uh, that pretty much wraps it up. Uh, hey, Amy, where can people uh, find out more about you and what you do it? Uh, probably the easiest way is to find us over at ladieslovepaulrudd.com. Uh, we are feminine and feminist gazing the hell out of Paul Rudd, movie by movie and TV show by TV show, which has been fantastic with my co-host, Larissa. Um, if you want, you can also track me down on Twitter over there at Amy Pop, A-M-Y-P-O-P. Excellent. All right. Hey, uh, Gina, uh, uh, where can people find uh, you on the internet? I, I know, considering you know, how very how very rarely I resort to referencing things more than thirty years ago, I uh, I write about seventies and eighties <laughs> television at tuneintonight.wordpress.com. All right, do it today, people. Don't wait. Hey, uh, do you want to talk to us? There's a couple different ways you can do it. A, you can reach out to us on Twitter. It's how most people do it, uh, at KillByKillPod. We, we, we tweet all the time when we're we're not working, and we're working a lot lately, so I apologize. And I went on vacation. What are you going to do? But uh, please, if you got 140 characters worth of things to say to us, uh, reach out. Got something more than that? Why not send us an email? You'd probably be the first person to do it. <laughs> KillByKillPod at gmail.com. We're also on Instagram at KillByKillPodcast. Um, and if you rate and review us on iTunes and you tell us what your favorite death is in the Friday the 13th franchise, we will tell everyone about it on the air here. That is our solemn promise to you, Kill by Kill listener. Don't fret, people. Just because we're done today, the body count continues. We got a lot of fun things happening in the near future. Halloween is just a few weeks away, so there's all sorts of cool stuff a-popping here at the Kill by Kill podcast. But until then, the body count continues. Uh, Goodbye, everybody. Kill by Kills produced by We Write Good and is intended for entertainment purposes only. Friday the 13th is owned by Paramount Pictures. Jason is owned by New Line Cinema. No infringement is intended. Kill by Kill logo was designed by Josh Hollis. Visit him at joshhollis.com. The Kill by Kill theme was created exclusively for us by Revenge Body. Get the whole track and much, much more at revengebodymemphis.bandcamp.com today.